I'd finally come to the full realization that my entire life had amounted to very little. And when I appraised the situation, I came to the conclusion the cards were stacked against me. I was a stout man, unattractive by any common conventions, and unable to really hold people's attention in a conversation. When we talked, I'd notice them looking around my face to map out the moles and the blemishes that lay about it, like a medical textbook of facial maladies that you just couldn't look away from. Women had never taken any interest in me, not even when I paid them to feign their love for an all too fleeting half hour. These transactions always left me feeling as empty as my bank account. On weekdays, I'd catch the bus to my job, all the while trying to catch the eyesight of other passengers. I'd smile, and they'd invariably turn away, more interested in reading the graffiti that littered the bus seats than engaging with the sad-faced man. The jerky bus ride would take me to my factory job, where it all hit me one day. The idea came so quickly that I knew what I had to do. I finally had a way to be noticed in this busy world of blank faces. Our factory produced an unending array of tat, all of which would find its way to the airport. We made scale models of aeroplanes that were sold at an eye-watering markup to children. They were placed at the eye level of the child, right at the edge of the store, facing all the unfortunate parents who'd made their way past the brightly coloured stands. It was a scam as old as time. The kids who were excited for their first flight always needed a memento, and the parents were far too accommodating to make sure little Tommy had one extra toy to add to his plastic mausoleum at home. When this thought came to me, I'd been sitting on the production line, putting the final stripe of paint on the sides of the plane. I'd daubed my brush in a tiny well of red enamel paint, and as each plane rolled along the conveyor belt, I leant forward and marked its side. I'd get in close, having pulled a nice sharp point to my brush, and squinting through my thick and scratched glasses, I drew perfect line after perfect line on the scale 747s. What I hated most about this job was the complete waste of my skills. Before the automotive industry had gone belly up in my town, I was the chief pinstriper at the local car plant. High-end automobiles would come into my shop and I'd detail them with beautiful lines, highlighting their elegant and sleek designs. But that was gone now. I'd often wondered if my aeroplane painting job couldn't be done by a machine. The truth, which I was unaware of, was that my sadistic boss hated me and felt a thrill every time he saw me having to refill my brush and scramble to keep up with the next plane in my ever-moving queue. But I have a favour to ask you. I looked up. My manager was looming over me in his blue business suit. This formality had always stood out to me in the factory setting. He clearly defined himself by his ability to pump his money into frivolous purchases, and the near race car he drove to work every day would attest to this. The airport has asked for a bigger shipment this week. Turns out it's school holidays or some shit. Those little fuckers eat these babies up, so I'm delivering an extra batch tomorrow. Do me a favour, just two more hours on the line and uh, lock up when you leave. Will this be added to next week's pay run? I asked, but he was halfway out the door. I saw red, and for once it wasn't just the spatters of enamel paint on my glasses. This was a proper, constructive rage coursing through my veins. A rage that needed to go somewhere. That's when the idea really formulated in my head. I looked around the factory and realised how many chemicals were used in this process and how volatile the right combination could be. 
I spent the night gathering up some of my favorite items to make a powerful concoction, a brew that would get me on the map. No more being walked over. No more failing industries to let me down. No more prick bosses ignoring me. I slept that night with a smile on my face, drifting off to sleep, imagining my upcoming notoriety and the fame I could look forward to. I arrived at work early the next day, this time being the one who ignored the other bus passengers. Several of them looked in my direction as I beamed, maniacally, at my own lap the whole trip, knowing what was coming. For once, they wanted my attention, but I hoarded it all to myself. Good morning, boss, I barked as I entered the office. I pulled an all-nighter, got through that extra load, plus I kept the belt running for an extra two hours and got a head start on the next batch. He seemed genuinely impressed, a look I'd not seen in my eight years hunched over the line, other than when he caught a glimpse of himself in the Venetian mirror that lined his office window. I thought, considering I'm so ahead of work, I could save you the delivery trip and take the truck to the airport. He looked at me, confused. I wondered if I was playing my hand a little too early, too obviously, as I generally went unspoken in the office. This sudden burst of team enthusiasm might have been a red flag that I had something up my sleeve. Um, okay, he finally said. I'm seeing that hard-bodied sales rep from the white goods store across the street on my lunch break anyway. Take the truck so I can give her the ride of a life at the Motel 8. Just don't expect anything extra for this. He couldn't help himself but brag about this extramarital affair. But his hormones had made the perfect umbrella for my explosive plans to hide under. I'll just get the keys and load up the truck then, I said. I walked into the dock and began the laborious process of loading up. As I stepped into the truck, I delicately wrapped myself in the vest I'd altered last night. I thought it made sense to jazz up the spare vest we had in the docks with a few extra pockets, and to line those pockets with a cocktail of explosive liquids that would all be activated by a simple pull trigger. Don't knock the merchandise and don't fuck around while you're out there, my boss offered his parting words, yelling through the back dock doorway. I slowly rolled the truck onto the road and set sail for the airport. I was careful in my driving ever aware of the fact that one too many bumps could trigger my volatile explosives and send me straight to a premature afterlife. The whole journey was an utter mental nightmare. I psyched myself in and out of what I was doing over and over and struggled to focus on the road. At the least, I should have been able to keep my focus on the road. Was I doing the right thing? Was I a bad person? Would security see me a mile away and shoot at me? I started to wonder if I even cared about dying during this process, or if I was more worried about another failure under my belt. Suddenly, the airport seemed to leap into eyesight. It loomed large on the horizon, and the sound of planes landing overhead made me feel also claustrophobic. I felt as if any person within 100 kilometers of the airport would be able to sniff out my plans, see the sweat running down my face from a mile away, and know what it all meant. I crept towards the delivery access and said a silent prayer to myself. God hadn't been listening for as long as I tried, but it was worth a shot. I pulled up to the security window and began explaining myself to the guard. He stared at me, confused, one eyebrow raised, then slowly gestured for me to first wind down my window. I awkwardly laughed and coughed in response and rolled it down. Manifest, mate, the guard said. I avoided eye contact scrounged around in the front seat for the clipboard and awkwardly shoved it out the window, banging it on the window frame as I went. 
Should be all good here, mate, I said, trying to tamp down the bile in my gullet. He slowly looked it up and down, flicking through the pages. You're not the normal guy, he offered. I dared look over in his direction, my eyeballs turning a tight 45 degrees while my head barely twisted a millimetre. He's a bit of a prick, hey? The guard offered. It was a joke. I'd accidentally made a human connection. I laughed, bursting out a little too loudly, a little too awkwardly, relieving all the tension that was keeping my body so taut. Head on through, mate, and maybe take that jumper off. You look a little too warm for that. I tipped my head in his direction, proud I'd made it so far, but feeling a little confused that this human had chosen to speak to me. I drove on into the airport proper, towards the docks, and got ready to start the process. As I pulled into the dock, another worker waved me to the right spot. I reversed the truck in, coughing and spluttering as I chunked through the gears and tried to work out what I was doing. I finally made it into the spot, though clearly on an angle. Bit of trouble with the truck, eh mate? The dock worker offered. They're always a bastard when they're that old. Again, this man in high vis sought to joke with me. I didn't understand what I'd done to tell him I was able to be talked to, but I liked it. Thanks. I offered. I don't normally do this bit. I began unloading the pallets off the truck, all the while the tick tick ticking of my vest bomb in my head. Was I really going to do this? Too close now, too near the belly of the beast to back out. Just take us straight through to the store if you could. Chris uh, checked you out at the front gate, right? Did you get that security pass? It was all too easy. Why was this man being so kind to me and bonding with me? Was it because I'd donned the high vis vest? required by law to drive the truck. It had created an unspoken bond between us, what an Armani suit is to the white-collared colleagues of the world. He offered a pass out to me at arm's length, and I quickly took it. Thank you, I stammered, and wheeling the pallet around, began walking into the airport terminal. There was the usual hustle and bustle of people heading here and there across our country, some heading through to the international terminal and leaving this place for a while, maybe for good. They were the lucky ones. Surely other countries weren't as callous in their treatment to the working class as this capitalist nation was. I had to keep telling myself this. I had to push myself to keep up the energy required to go through with my plan. I arrived at the airport news agency with my pallet of planes and looked for the owner. A woman started limping over to me, herself an oddball of proportions and shape. Shipment of planes? I said. She giggled, catching me off guard. A shipment of planes? They couldn't fly themselves here? It had been a long time since someone had joked with me, and her sense of humour wasn't all that sharp. But it was another genuine human interaction. I was stunned. Heh, <laughs> I giggled. More like, um, an airdrop of, uh, planes. She laughed, and my world went wonky. This was all a mistake. I was sweating profusely from my explosive plans, but the powerful gaze of this woman had me twice as liquidy as before. I'll take you out the back and show you where you can, um, take them in for landing. She laughed. I started pushing the trolley behind her, desperately combing what hair I still had into a presentable fashion. Chest out, I tried to walk confidently, tried to exude masculinity with every step. My eyes were burning a hole in her waggling limpy behind as I stared at it with every step. Just at the uh, back there, she pointed, right in the corner of the stockroom. 
I pushed the trolley and found its home. I began to slip the packages off the pallet and turned around to find her pressing up against me. I hate my job, she said, and it's rare to find someone so masculine. A strong silent type like you. The guy that normally delivers these is a bit of a prick, but you, she said. I was overwhelmed. I couldn't go through with my plan now. A woman like her was all I needed, and everything would be right in my world. I'd written a screed that was currently burning a hole in my pocket. Words I was ready to blast into the nearest microphone, ranting and raving, then take out the wing of the airport with my explosives. Maybe I could still do it, but have my fun here. Well, uh, what did you have in mind, miss? I asked her. She giggled again, sounding more piggish than the first time. A few snorts leaked out of her nose, but any positive attention worked for me. I grew rigid in seconds, my turgid little rod proudly growing to a full three inches of steel. She pressed her body against me hard. We could have some fun. It had been decades since anyone had offered themselves to me without payment. I'm awful sweaty, I said. Can I leave this jacket on? So long as she didn't see what I had hidden under the jacket, I could get my rocks off here, then take out terminals 18 to 26. She kicked the storage door closed, snapped the little lock in place, and ran back to me, her snorty giggles trailing all the way behind her. As she reached me, she jumped down onto her knees, slowly undoing my fat pants. The tension was intense. I was at a 10, like a balloon under a high heel, my head desperately trying to calm down. Be cool, play it safe, enjoy this, I told myself. As she got to work, I threw my head back in ecstasy. This was the best day of my life, easily. Who knew my rock bottom could turn into getting my rocks off? I could see us starting a life together after this. With each pulse of pleasure, I imagined our wedding invites. The font on the table names. The bonbonieri would offer our guests. The orgasmic feelings overwhelmed me and I lost myself. My hands moved from her head to my own body, digging around my sweaty gut. I touched my stomach jabbing my finger in and out of my navel for added pleasure. I kept at it, and with my other hand began feeling higher and higher on my body in ecstasy. I reached for a nipple to double my pleasure, but it felt odd. Not the purple hairy nub I was expecting. Not the thick and lumpy ridges I was used to, but something else. Something stringy. Something a little like, like the dead man's switch that I'd stuck down to my chest. This was the trigger that in case of emergency, or the very likely scenario, I would have pussed out and completely give up my plans. My bombs would still put on their glorious fireworks show. I went to Yelp, but it was too late. There was a click, and then... 